Shut up and sit down. I'm totally gonna go vegan this season. You shaved your legs? Does shaving your legs really make a difference? Man, shaved legs make such a difference. Look at that guy with the hairy legs. You are listening to the Dial Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. Optional listening required. Totally going vegetarian this season. Eating is cheating, man. I think protein is really gonna help me out in my season. Hey, man, do you have a gel? You guys have some lube I can borrow. Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Vondering. I'm here with Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You guys look like you are ready to take on nature, maybe tackle a tree with your saw. <laughs> What'd you say? Lumber- with your lumberjack status. Lumberjacky? Little, little, little lumberjacky. <laughs> I, I am in Asheville, yes. So Asheville? I, I do have... I'm in Asheville, North Carolina, that, so my shirt does look at first I At first I thought that was a flannel shirt, but now I'm not so sure. <laughs> He's just trying to look Midwest Midwest fancy. That's his like Midwest fancy attire. (laughs) Uh, That voice you hear, Lance Friggin Hepler. Lance Lance Friggin Hepler, thank you for sticking to the frigging. I think I like Lance Friggin or Friggin Hepler better than the other alternative. But, you know, that's not. Did anybody tag you with sparkle farts? Did you hear any sparkle farts? Um. On my on some of my Strava posts, uh, I had many sparkle fart tags. Yes, but but, but not on Instagram. So. <laughs> well done, folks. Well done. Hey, why don't you chime in again? Go to Lance's uh, Instagram or Strava or wherever you are connected with Lance and chime in and let us know. Should it be sparkle farts or should it be friggin'? I don't know. No, it, it should not. It should be friggin'. You don't get a say in this, dude. <laughs> you're, you're right. Right. I don't on. get a say. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, guys, want to talk about some stuff and things? How about a little bit of uh, I don't know, unpack the old uh, unbound gravel race that you did last weekend, and maybe a little question that's been proposed out there about what the uh, promoter should have done. Does that sound like a good topic for you guys today? Yeah, cool. Um, yep. So Lance was there. He witnessed it firsthand. He got to um, enjoy some of that mud fest. And the I saw a question that was posted on Dylan Johnson, who was on the podcast a few years ago, and he was out there racing, and he actually had a really good race. But the uh, the question is, is you know, basically from mile eleven to fifteen, it just ate bikes up. the The mud there was just atrocious. It was killing people's derailers. It was killing people's braking systems. You couldn't turn wheels over because the mud was so bad. So the question that he posed for everybody to answer in his community was, should they have rerouted? And the the, the four options that he gave for people to vote were, um, they should have kept it in, they should have rerouted, don't know, and don't care. And that pretty much broke down. Um, well, actually, I 
let's run around the table and talk about what we all think they should have done, and I'll talk about what the results the results are thus far for uh, for Dylan here because he's got five point six k votes, so over fifty six hundred oh, votes. Wow. Yeah, okay. so it's a pretty good sample. What do you think, Lance? You were there firsthand. Um, for me, uh, I would. Of course, there's trucks driving by. For me, I would not have wanted to reroute it because, personally, the more difficult the course is, the better it is for me. I have, I tend to have above-average handling skills, so when the courses get worse or nastier, um, I tend to do better. And so, um, it, it was, what was interesting on race morning, I did a bunch of pre-rides and never ran into any mud, although there were there were rainstorms rolling through the county like all week leading up to the race. And I didn't know there was going to be mud until I was watching the pro men leave at 6 a.m. Or they left at 5.50 a.m. So I went to watch the, the pro men take off from the start line. And right before they, they called the start line, uh, right before they started the race, um, the race director, Ben Fuchs, was at the front line, and he he's talking just to the pro men, and there was about 100 pro men in the race. And he goes, just so everybody knows, we are not routing around the mud from a mile 11 to 14. This is a gravel race, and you're all just going to have to deal with it. That's what the race director said. <laughs> wow. So, okay. So, so he, yeah, so he said that and a bunch of the pros all kind of looked at each other like what I, I didn't know there was mud, but at that moment I knew, oh, okay, we're going to hit a mud section early in this race. We just have to be ready for it. Yeah. And on the podcast previously, you did mention like, Hey, there's, there's a lot of rain. This could become like a mud fest. Like you, yeah. you, you had yeah. that at least in the back of your mind. Now you knew, now you knew more specifically 11 to 15, like earmark those numbers this is going to be a mess. Correct. And a lot of people were not happy about it, obviously, because it did damage to everybody's bikes. I mean, I got, I, I ruined a pair of shoes. So my, my, my gravel and cyclocross race shoes are now retired. I ruined them. Uh, the sole blew out from all the running. Um, I broke the pedal and I got at least four big, paint chips in my frame where the mud would pick up a rock and then the rock would jam between your your the frame and your tire and it just would like scrape through there so i just got yeah it was a little crazy so yeah so you say that your bike handling skills are going to play to your advantage but how how's that playing to your advantage when you're having to run your bike <laughs> so this is what happened um, the, it, so the first 10 miles, we were averaging like 27 miles an hour. Cause it was like cushy gravel roads. We were just flying and I'm in a pack of 300. There were 1200 people in my race. And, and I started on the front line like an idiot or like a genius. You have to decide. And so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so I was just staying at the front of the pack in the first like 50 to hundred riders. And, as we came to the mud section, everybody just stopped because we, the hundred mile races were after the 200 mile racers. So a thousand people had already come, gone through there. So the nice grass lanes that the pros could kind of run through or walk through were completely destroyed by the time we got there. The hundred mile races, we had no shot, but 
what happened was all those hundred people that were ahead of me and we hit the mud, I just, I was able to ride the first mile and they had started walking. So I passed a hundred people right off the bat when we hit the mud until it got bad enough that I, that my wheels wouldn't turn anymore. So when my wheels wouldn't turn anymore is when we, you had to take turns from stopping to cleaning out your, your wheels and your tires and trying to run a little bit. And then, oh, there's like a bit of a downhill section and I can ride this. And so I, I, so that's why it favored me because I, I finished way higher up in the race because of the mud, because I, it took me, it took me like 40 minutes, 45 minutes to get through that four mile mud section. And for most people it took an hour or an hour and 10 minutes. Well, so there's a 20 to 30 minute head start I had on everybody else right off the bat. So well played. Well played. Um, Matt, it's your race. What are you doing? Well, I'm the polar opposite of Lance in all ways. I'm not wearing any sort of flannel, <laughs> not chopping any trees down. So, and and my and my mud handling skills are um, non-existent. We'll say so. So, uh, you know, I think that I would argue against the, um, you know like sticking to your guns and like, we're going to ride through anything. We're going to ride through Kansas tornadoes. Like, no, like if you're going to hurt people's equipment, if you're going to have people, you know, 40% drop out of the actual race itself, if you're going to have these people that are traveling to your race from God knows how far across the entire world, really. And going to this place, like you want them to have a decent time. You want it to be hard. Like it's a 200 mile race. Like no matter what, even if it's perfect conditions, it's going to be hard. But yeah, I mean, like, let's, let's, you know, do some simple things, reroute, make sure it's as safe as you possibly can. Um, try to help people with equipment, like make sure like that, you know, that there are safety options out there for people if that's, if that's your main concern. I mean, that's, that's what I would be thinking as a race director. I'd be thinking like, hey, people want to come to this event and have a good time. They, I want people to like post on social media about this event, not that it was horrible, but that they enjoyed it. I want people to post like, you know, that next year they're going to come back. And so I don't know if the reaction, I mean, yes, there was a lot of reaction because it's unbound, but like, I don't know. I don't know if it was positive. I think I have to agree with Matt on this one. I, but, there, there's just so many people that, you know, this was their A race. This was their big ticket item for the year. This was what they were going to invest in for their training, for their equipment, for their travel time. And there's a lot of money that goes into this for a lot of folks to get out there to do this race, not to mention the fact that it's super hard to get into. And so who knows when you're going to get to have that experience again and to have so many people just call it and say, I'm, I'm done and have that many people DNF because of the mud section. That, that sucks. That really does suck. And um, our teammate, David Barna, was there and he had to deal with it as well. He did the 200 mile variety and he had a, a friend that he had made earlier in the year that was up in the Seattle area. They did another race together and they'd been communicating and that guy pretty much called it 10 miles in. He was doing the 200 mile race, had spent gobs and gobs of hours training for this. He had his equipment get torn up. He made all these travel arrangements that pretty much he got to ride for 10 miles. That that kind of, that's, that's a bummer if you ask me. So I, I mean, 
like and again like matt said the race is already hard enough in its own right and it doesn't need to be something where you're going to be you know causing that many people to dnf or to do damage to their equipment or just to have that simple frustration of like you know what the heck because you don't know how much that sucks until you actually do it and lance be honest like how much how much did that tear your bike up at the end of the day i mean you talked about the paint chips and you talked about your shoes but i mean damage wise i mean if you had assigned a dollar amount to it i mean you you sound like you got relatively unscathed but there's still damage to your bike that you're gonna have to eat right oh uh, it was at least like fifteen hundred dollars worth of damage to my bike or my bike equipment at least so and and now and the paint finish is like dull it's been the paint has just been like sandblasted oh no i i, <laughs> so, I can yeah so yeah i think i feel like i'm sitting on the fence on this because i can totally go e you know either way on this i can totally see where a race director would be like play it as it lies like this is the race this is the hand that we're dealt like you guys need to go race especially the pros because you know like lance said there are some that are going to be like yep this is my this is my ticket like this is my game plan i'm going to get 15 minutes on the rest of the pro field and there are others that are like oh put me in the tt bars and just let me sit down on a certain wattage or you know i'm going to sit in a pack and and that all of us kind of look at that and we're like meh yeah you know and so so to have difficult conditions i think is kind of interesting from a race director it's just the rest of the field the 90 Five, maybe more than 95% of the field that's like, you know, these people are probably there to have an, an experience, not necessarily to, you know, bring home a paycheck. That group of people probably would have benefited from a reroute. That's a, that's definitely a good option there. I mean, right. the pros aren't going to have it nearly as bad because they're, they're trailblazing. They're going through there. They're able to create those lines off the side of the road or in the grass that they're going to be fine. And and they probably got through their relatively unscathed. I don't know what their DNF rate was, but I mean, was it as bad? No, it wasn't as bad. And matter of fact, uh, Keegan Swenson was able to almost ride all of it, almost ride all of it because, because the grass lines on the side were, were more rideable. They, they, they hadn't completely mudded out yet. So what, you know, a, a couple of things, the race director, Ben Fuchs, when he was telling the pros that, hey, we're not routing around the mud, he seemed he seemed proud of himself for saying it, right? He was just like kind of relishing it. Like, this is what you get if you come to this race. We're not going to change this. So oh, everybody's going to have to deal with it. So, but most of everybody, nobody else heard that. I only heard that because I was standing, you know, 20 feet away from him and I could hear him saying it to the the pro men field and it wasn't he wasn't on a mic or anything it was just like the mic wasn't working at that moment for whatever reason but you know what's interesting i completely felt for a lot of those 200 mile racers they started an hour before i started and i passed hundreds and hundreds of them in the mud section which meant they'd already been struggling for an hour Wow. And I caught and passed them. And that's yeah. mile like 12 so, or, you know, 15 oh, or something. Yeah. That's just nasty, right? When you're thinking like on a good on a good day, we're talking 12 hours, like great day probably. For a lot yep. of these people, it's probably yeah. much more than that. It's probably much more like 16 hours to be like, oh, yeah, I'm at mile 15 and I'm adding an hour onto that already. Oh, yeah, I would immediately think, yeah, it's time to drop out, right? Like it's just like you don't – the just just the gut punch of like – it's 200 miles and I'm walking my bike. 
There was even a, a safety motorcycle that was riding through the section and just completely got stuck. And photographer motorcycles that said, I want to get these mud pictures. And they were trapped there the rest of the day because they couldn't rescue those vehicles. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, yeah. What was the sentiment after the race? I mean, what were people saying? Were they like pissed or were they like, oh my gosh, that was so hard, but we got through it? Or what What were they saying? I, You know, everybody was just shell-shocked from it. Everybody was just shell-shocked from it. Like, it, that the mud was the story it was the it was the selection point that's what happened granted I, this is a long race so lots of other things happened during the day i mean my day turned into almost heat stroke because it got up to like 85 and 80 percent humidity for like the last three hours of my race and i barely made it through that and so all the 200 mile racers they had to deal with that three hours of super hot and humid and then a storm blew through that that rained sideways for an hour and created another mud section that I didn't have to deal with because when I went through that section, you know, five hours earlier, it was not mudded out. It was it was rideable. So the 200 miles really struggled with the conditions. It just kind of got worse and worse. And I, and I could see what the what the race director was kind of worried about because how do we how do we reroute? 4,000 people when we, you know, on race morning, although he would have known the night before because the, the 350 mile XL racers went through at like 4 PM the night before. And it was also just as bad during that section. But I wonder if like, as a race director, there's an, a possibility in the future to be like, okay, these are the sections of the course that that tend to have the possibility of getting mudded out and maybe there's five or 10 of them or whatever, here's possible reroutes. And like knowing that in advance being like, Hey, if you know, we make the call at whatever it is, you know, 10 PM the night before the race, if we need to reroute any of these sections, we have plans in place to reroute because if you don't have those plans in place at 10 PM, then you're, you're, you're going up there with the microphone. And you're saying like, we're riding the route as it is. You can't make those changes if you don't have a plan for making those changes. Right. I mean, yeah. rerouting a race is not easy. No, sometimes it's like but it's permits not like, it's not for like, roads. It's yeah. sometimes very, very difficult. But you got a whole year to plan that out. And you, you got know, a year. months in advance. You can be working with municipalities, and I'm sure that there's options there to be able to divert around certain sections. Hard to and, say. Yeah. You know, does Does that break the spirit of gravel? So, well, so here there's another big factor in this. In that. Unbound does not mark their course. Right. So everybody has to download the route. And can they get that information to everybody at 10 p.m. the night Good before question. a race that starts at 6 a.m.? Is everybody going to be able to change their route and download it and get it onto their – if you didn't have the route on your computer, you were going to get lost, guaranteed. You were going to miss turns. It, yeah. It's strung out enough, regardless of where you're at, that you were going to miss turns. So – that was another that's probably another big factor in not rerouting is that okay we're not going to get this to everybody this late in the game. Yeah, but is it that much of a hassle to put up some sandwich boards or some signs that say hey, you're turning left here now and then put it at the next one and just for the reroute section just to put up some stuff to show you where you're going to be going and then it's back on track. Again, that's super hard yeah. to speculate on cuz we don't know how hard it is to reroute. If there's a mud section and it's like yeah, you're going to the only way to reroute is like get on the interstate. Like some of these roads are just so in the middle of nowhere, you, yeah. you know, you don't know. I think, I think this, uh, it, 
This was reroutable. It, it was. was reroutable. That's good to know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. especially for yeah. future iterations of the race, maybe the race director can have something in place. I don't know. I almost w- wonder if people could have been like, yeah, the, look at this mud section that everyone's talking about. Like, I'm going to reroute myself. Like, what What are the consequences of that? Like, would you be disqualified <laughs> if you just rerouted yourself? Because good... <laughs> I wonder if anyone did yeah, that, actually. That's a good question. I, I don't know. There were... You know, we had chips on our numbers, on our number plates that yeah. were on our handlebars. And there were there were timing mats that we crossed over, but it was only probably two or something. I think I think, I think we had five timing mats. Okay. I think I had five timing mats I crossed, you know, in the hundred miles. So the two hundred mile race would have had ten timing mats they crossed. So I don't know what they would have done there. Yeah, you're right. It, it, yeah, if you were able to reroute and not be caught, you, you, you would have won for sure. That would have been hilarious if you're you just like... gained an hour. Yeah, Garmin, reroute. Garmin, reroute me. This <laughs> yeah. looks hard. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, that's funny. Uh, so going back to Dylan's post, the prevailing favorite at 58% of the 5,600 plus votes that came through was they should have rerouted. Um, and then they said, uh, 22% said they should have kept it in, which there, there's your Lance right there. 10% said, don't know. Yep. 10% said, don't care. So I, I think the vast majority of people are on the side, obviously of like, they should have rerouted whether or not they can do that or not, whether or not that's in the spirit of gravel. I, what do you think? It, it, it breaks the spirit of gravel. In fact, I think the spirit of gravel is crying about the Dylan Johnson post. <laughs> I, I mean, these Probably. bunch of soft crybabies, or do they have a point, Lance? I mean, seriously. Uh, no, they they absolutely have a point. The amount of damage that was done, the amount of uh, of bikes that broke because of it, how how many people's race it ended. There's a good there's good reasons to argue for it should have been rerouted. So I understand agreeing. For me, no, because it favored me. So yeah. And there's right. obviously nothing that they could have done over a four to five mile stretch of road to make it more rideable. I mean, they couldn't take like a steamroller in there and you know flatten it out. I mean, it's just what it, it is. What it is. The the steamroller would have gotten stuck. It yeah. was it wasn't it it wasn't a maintained road. It was a farm road that was clay based. So there was no there was no like layer of gravel laid down. And if it's dry, super rideable and great. But because it was wet, the clay just bummed it. I wonder if that will be part of the route next year. I'll be very curious to be like, yeah, we're not doing that again. You know, like they seems like they would make changes. Interesting thing with unbound is they usually switch from year to year. They, they, they either go North of, emporia or they go south of emporia one year and this was a south year and so they very well may switch to north next year and it will be a very different race but it listen there's still potential for mud all over the place in rural kansas so yeah lance will you ever go back and do unbound again dude i you know, I, I took a little, Brandon took a little video of me right at the finish line and, and, and I only doing the hundred mile race and I suffered so much. I said, there's no way I'm coming back to do this. If I come back, I would do the 50 mile race, <laughs> which is <laughs> even, even less prestigious than, you know, doing the hundred mile race. So I don't know. I mean, if being here with, with teammates and with the group, 
and 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 feeling the electricity of the whole of the whole town and how they come out and being around the expo and the awards and this I mean that stuff was all amazing I haven't it, it was a different experience than I've had at a race that I have personally participated in almost anything else other than Rebecca's private Idaho Rebecca's private Idaho has a pretty similar feel but you know that's Rebecca's private Idaho is like a, a thousand racers and this was 4,000 that's how much bigger it was and how much bigger of a deal it was to be a part of it so experiencing that that aura was was very cool but dude I was I was licked after the race David Barna our teammate said uh, there's he's like no way I'm not doing this again that was so much suffering so so I don't know it's I'm torn. I'm only a week out from it, and I will probably romanticize it more in my brain as time goes yeah. on. It's amazing how we but, forget. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. What would you change about the race? Like how the race unfolded for you? What would you have done differently? Um, I, I wouldn't have changed a thing from what I did, to be honest with you. I think I raced it about as good as I could have. I, you know, I've been focusing on cross-country mountain bike racing for the last couple months, and so I didn't have a lot of big rides in my legs. And so 100 miles was a real stretch for me to, uh, to race it. I raced really well for about four and a half hours, and the last two hours I was just hanging on for dear life. Luckily, I didn't get passed by a bunch of people. So, but I, I hung on. Brandy's saying hi. Hi, Brandy. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I don't know that I would have changed a whole lot. Um, How did the oars do? I don't know that I would have made it better. The oars was brilliant. It was fantastic. I loved it. You know, a lot of people rode like aero frames, aero gravel frames, and there's less tire clearance on those frames, which created more issues, Sure. you know, in the mud. You know, I was riding... 40 millimeter Maxxis Rambler tires. I had no flats. Thank goodness. Hunt, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people still had flat tire issues. And I didn't having to deal with a flat tire in that mud would have been terrible. That would have been terrible. That broke people's spirits. If you flatted and you were in the middle of the mud, because a lot of that happened because there were big rocks, but, but I don't know. I, I don't think I would have changed my tire. I could have gone narrower tires, like 38s instead of 40s. But I don't, I don't think it would have made any difference. The mud was so bad. It wouldn't have made that much of a difference. So so play it out as good for you as it possibly could have, is what you're saying. Yeah. Dude, I made the freaking podium in a gigantic race, like unbound. I'm not complaining about that at all. <laughs> Zero complaints. <laughs> Right on. So, um, well, anything else that you want to talk about with respect to this? I mean, we can do a backpedal and, and you can elaborate a little bit more, but anything about the race that you think should have been changed or that you would have liked to have seen? Or... Um, no, you know, it, it, it's unique in that they, they don't have aid stations. You have to have an aid person take care of you. They had, they had water stations in two places. Um, so that made it unique too. We've got some, got some background rap music going on. But that's because it's all good. Wait, 
Uh, okay. I dropped my phone. There we are. Okay. See, I'm <laughs> screwing up. So um, that made it u- unique. You know, having some more aid stations and not having to have your own people out there would be great, but that makes this race also unique. So I don't know what I'd do. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Well, I, I mean, I, we, we kind of all said our piece and, and I think the people spoke, but I mean, do you think that they'll do that in the future? Do you think they'll reroute based on maybe some flack that they're getting? Or do you think it's just going to be, this is what it is and you guys just need to deal with it? I think it's going to be, this is what it is. Everybody deals with it. I don't think they'll reroute it. They'll make the course and they'll probably put something in the race Bible that says, we're not rerouting for any mud sections, just so you all know right up front. I bet that will happen. Huh. Interesting. Well, we'll see. Tune in. 2024. Tune in. Cool. All right. How about some backpedaling? Matt, you want to go I can, first? I can go first. I don't know what I did last week. I um I was testing some bike stuff. So I've ridden a, a little bit. Like I'm actually testing some of the new Apple Watch cycling stuff with their new operating system. I don't know if you checked out any of that stuff. Did you see the Vision Pro? I did. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't actually watch the the whole keynote thing. I watched uh, Marquez Brownlee's. Oh yeah, deal. I love Marquez Brownlee. He, he does great. a great job. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, but yeah, they also announced an update to their watch, and so um, they have some new cycling features. Oh, really? Power on the Apple Watch, which really? is nice Bluetooth power. Okay. Yep, yep. Sweet. And so, and they also have this thing where your watch can kind of be displayed on your on your uh, iPhone. And hmm. so your iPhone just works like a big bike computer. Really? It's a, it, it, I, I played around with it. The syncing piece is really interesting. You pause it on the, um, on the phone, and it automatically pauses on your watch. Either way, vice, vice versa. It. And it's like instantanious. Wow. It's, just, it's nice. It's basically like a mirrored display there uh, between those two devices. It's, it's something. It's good. I don't know if it's like a replace your bike computer for any of us, but for the casual, actually for 95% of the cyclists yeah, out there, exactly. it's like perfect. Yeah. So There's a lot of folks that don't want to go spend four to hundred to eight hundred dollars yeah. on a bike computer. Exactly. They've already got their phone and just like, it's probably good for people like uh, Rockform and Quadlock and all the, the bike case companies right. that make the mounts that go on the bikes. Which is funny because I don't actually have one of those. Yeah. I don't have anything. And so I should have borrowed one from you, but I ordered um, a uh, Peak Design. Okay. Yeah, those yeah, are pretty cool too. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. So, so I ordered something like that because I was like, I just I need to be able to test this when I'm allowed to show it. I'm not even allowed to show that stuff yet. Huh. But um, I I'm allowed to talk about it. So I have a video that is needing to be edited sometime. It's going to be late, but this is my like weekly video. I'll talk about some Sweet. of those watch I should say that for my one last thing. But so I've gotten a couple of bike rides in, a uh, couple of swims, master swimming. You know, yesterday, busy day, because I went stand-up paddleboarding with the wife when I was texting you about you the podcast. I yeah. was like, can't can't podcast today, doing stuff with, you know, hanging out with the wife. And it was just like, I was on stand-up paddleboard out on the lakes. Yeah. And we have three lakes in the area, if you guys aren't familiar we're with us. And so you can, you know, get out on Lackamas Lake, and then you can connect over to Round Lake. And so uh-huh. that's what we did. This is probably what you and your yeah, wife do. We do that all the time. Your, for yeah. your date nights. But um, it was great. Cool. It was awesome. We did nice. that in the morning, and then we played pickleball in the afternoon. That was, my, <laughs> that was like one of her... Um, one of her birthday gifts was a pickleball court that we can just set up in the cul-de-sac. Oh, nice. So, super cool. Lots of weird exercise that way. And then um, just Randy some, might be uh, coming over to uh, jump into the... Uh, the uh, back pedal? The, the, the cul-de-sac pickleball oh, court. Yeah. Randy she's, will be coming She's to totally <laughs> invited. I Actually, she could teach us how to... She could teach us what to do because we don't know what we're doing. Nice. Um, but then uh, last weekend, I was in Pasco, okay. Washington for uh, swim meets for okay. kids. 
and one thing that's good about running as opposed to biking, which I know we'll get some hate mail, but you can just go bring like a pair of shoes and you're good. Yep. Like it's so simple and it's fast. So like every morning we would drop the kids off for their swim warm up, And so you got like 30 minutes or whatever. You don't have much time. And so you go and you would just go for a little run. And I ran, they have this like, um, people, let's just say weren't talking super nicely about how the, the niceness of Pasco, Washington, but it was fine. And they have this beautiful like river walk area. Mm-hmm. And one of the runs I got, um, 10 K in, which is long for me. Wow. So Achilles is hanging on by a thread people. Nice. Hanging on by a thread. So backpedal <laughs> done. My backpedal was just a bunch of rides. We did all the normal gravelly stuff. We did all the flogging stuff. We did. Did you do the um, Friday free hat? Right. The, the fog hat. Fog hat. Sorry. Yeah, we've done the fog hat. How was rides. that? Was yeah, that yeah. Was it fun? I want to yeah. come join those. Those you, are fun. You need to jump in. That's always a good time. Our a schedule is crazy. Pretty good group of people. It was pretty big and had had fun. That's awesome. Um, we we're recording this really late. We normally have the podcast come out on Wednesday. Sometimes it's Thursday, and this week it's going to be on Friday. <laughs> so we had the uh, flogging ride last night, and that was a blast. And uh, yeah, it's just more of the same. Just trying to get fitness in, trying to pile up the hours and keep it somewhat structured. So Lance Hepler's got more interesting things to talk about than me. Lance, go ahead, backpedal, bud. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I mean. People probably have heard about my race or something or whatnot, but uh, like like I said earlier, once we got through the mud section, I was able to hook up with a couple of guys, uh, at least two of us, that we tried to kind of trade poles through the rolling hills so that we weren't kind of all just that's, destroying ourselves. It's awesome but, that you had man, some people to work with. Yeah, but it turned out that one of them was in my age group, and he... He was kind of sit. He wasn't taking poles. He was sitting on my wheel. And so uh. when when we hit the when we hit the aid station, their their uh, their transitions took about two minutes. And Brandy was a freaking all star. And I only had about a ten second transition. I rolled in. So you're saying swapped. Brandy? Brandy's the one that actually got you that award. Brandy is. She made. She got Brandy's you on the podium. She is. She's the one that got award. So I was able to hit that. I mean, I went, it was literally 10 seconds. I mean, I went through, I swapped out, I swapped out um, the chase vest that I was wearing and I had all my nutrition in the new chase vest. We swapped out the two bottles. I lubed my chain and that was it. Boom, go. And so because I got through there so quickly, um, I ended up dropping the guy that was in my age group um, right then, and that was at mile like sixty three. So it was just kind of it was just kind of hanging on. That comes back to your triathlon. Am I losing you guys? No, you're good. You're good. That comes back to your triathlon training, don't yes. you think? You owe all of your. Yes. You really owe. You really owe everything to your triathlon training. <laughs> Everything's from triathlon. I mean, the fact that I went through and like Brandy said later that that there are other people saying around and like. Holy cow, that was fast, you guys. Did you practice that? And Brandon's like, Yeah, he made me practice it on the lawn at our rental house. You know, the transition. <laughs> so but um, by the time I got to the end of the race, I really didn't know what position I was in. I knew that I was probably pretty far up there, but um, so it was a real treat to find out that I took fifth in my age group. I ended up I ended up forty second overall out of twelve hundred racers and i was fifth in the 50 to 59 um age group and so i got to go to the award ceremony and stand on podium and get this really cool um 
like handmade award. So I was really, it ended up just being really cool. And I was really stoked about that, that that all happened. So that's fantastic. the race ended up going pretty well for me. So pretty cool. The rest of the week. Uh, yeah, it was been driving from Kansas to, uh, uh, North Carolina, believe it or not, I've kind of gotten sick and I don't know if it's a cold I've picked up or if it's allergies in, in, you know, different pollens here in North Carolina, but I've been struggling for a couple of days. I'm here to do BWR Asheville, which is tomorrow morning at 7 AM. And I am, I'm not looking forward to it all. My race is 80 miles and 9,000 feet of climbing. Oofed. Ouch. So that uh, is it, brutal. Yeah, it's all either yeah. The big race is 130 miles and 14,000 feet of climbing and I am not I'm not doing that. So there's no way. Yeah, allergies are tough, man. So, I I've been dealing with allergy issues too for about 2 weeks and I actually had to change up my medication routine just to kind of try and combat that, but the the, the end result, like for this, those two weeks, was is my energy was just crap. Like I actually cut out twice from the, the the Tuesday night gravel ride because I was just I had I couldn't make any watts. I was just done. So it, it's one of those things that it, it just pretty much yeah. ended up being all the allergy yeah. stuff, and I had to go back and recalculate everything. And finally started feeling better yesterday and rode much better at the uh, the flogging ride. But that's a bummer. So hopefully you get that squared away. Yeah, I, I really have no expectations in this race. I mean, 9,000 feet of climbing, that's not my jam. I'm, I'm going to suffer in this race. I'm going to be pack fodder for sure. There's no, uh, there's a lot of really rowdy sections, which is good for me, but with that much climbing, it's not going to matter. I'm going to be, I'm going to be tail gunning it regardless. So, but the other good thing, if, if you haven't seen my Strava, I went, I came and rode mountain bikes with my, with my brother-in-law and my nephew, we went to this little bike park here in Asheville. And, and if you need to go to my Strava and see the little video I took of my nephew, my brother-in-law, cause he crashed and it was freaking hilarious that I actually caught it on <laughs> camera. So it was good times. 25 minutes. Okay. So, so yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, that's it for me. We'll see what happens in this race tomorrow. I'm expecting nothing at all. Cause I feel like crap. What's after Asheville? Is that packing it up and starting the, the trek back home to Pacific Northwest? Yes. I'm I'm doing the Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder, which starts in in a week and a half. Okay. <laughs> so that's back that's back in central Oregon. So we're gonna take a week to drive back. We will stop and see my kids in Utah. We might spend some time in Colorado. I'm not sure really exactly what what way we're gonna go, but we're going to head back so I can get back for the uh, Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder. So that's that's the plan for me. Nice. Travel safe. Hey, with that, I'm going to step out because it looks like I'm losing everybody. So thank you very much for letting me join you guys. Sorry about all the background noise. No I worries. It was interesting to hear my stories. Do you want to, one so. last thing? Or are you done? Uh, my one last thing is please don't die on the race tomorrow for me at BWR Asheville. Note so, to self, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's it for me. Cool. Yeah. There's potential for that. This could be my worst race I, My worst race of the year. It's what I'm thinking is going to happen tomorrow so far. Call it but a training ride. Whatever. Then. We'll see what happens. <laughs> cool. All right, Lance, have a good yes, one, right. and uh, look forward to seeing how you do tomorrow. Good luck. Thanks, guys. All right, Thank see you. Bye. Bye. Lance. 
is gone. Champ here. Oh yeah, we don't even have him. He's we can't we can't do this back thing without him. Yeah, Champ was in the background. He was yelling at Lance like, "Let's go!" So uh, <sighs> they're out. But um, just real quick, have you been watching the Dauphiné at all? Have you seen uh, no, any like results I on seen that? Any of it yet? Although I heard Vingigo is looking quite good. Like he dropped Carapaz without any effort. <laughs> didn't even try and put like a minute into him. And I was I think he's like a, a minute and thirty up on that. There's somewhere ish in that 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 time range, and he hasn't really even like hit the afterburners yet he's just kind of cruising doing his thing so maybe we should be i mean i know that we probably all have started to think about our picks for the tour but yep. man he's he's we gotta we gotta keep him in mind he's he's <sighs> legit yeah i mean you've got him looking really good right now but um tade you know he's know. always tade but he's always tade. he's coming back right now and he's he's It'll back be- on the bike he's riding and he's you know post-surgery for the wrist yep. fracture and all other stuff but I have a sneaking suspicion he still did all of the work and he's still Tade. He still, he did all the work on the trainer and he's yeah. going to come out and he's going to probably maybe feel even somewhat fresh. You know, it's interesting. It'd be it'd be funny to see if he has like a better third week than Vingigo just because it's like, granted, he was in peak shape yeah. like crazy early. Yeah. Like he was in peak shape in the winter. And yeah. it's like, you don't typically want that. You want to be in peak shape the third week of the tour. Exactly. So it'll be interesting to see if, if maybe this injury helped in some ways i don't know that's probably um a a very optimistic way to look at it but we'll see there's this uh tragic triathlon um story from hamburg ironman hamburg where the the pros were all um riding in a big pack or whatever or you know how they do they do their like somewhat of a pro pack where they have a little bit of space but then there was like a a line of i think i don't remember if it was like nine or eleven media um uh, motocarts, you know, and press, mm-hmm. and they were trying to get pictures or whatever. And they were, you know, I think they were basically drifting out into the um, other lane and uh, they hit a different cyclist that was just an age grouper going the other direction. And I think, I don't know who, like there was a, it, there was a death with it. I don't know oh if it was the gosh. age grouper or what, but it was, it may have been like the moto, the moto cyclist that died. I don't know. It was just like a horrible situation. And the pros have constantly been saying like, Hey, you know, you you can't have this many moto carts like this close. Like they need to stay away from us. They need to give us space to race. They need to do this stuff. And so a lot of them are kind of up in arms right now on social media saying like, you guys need to be better. You need to be better than this. I mean, how do you, the only way I think you get around that is just a you don't have it and tell people that they've got to post up and be at certain places and that's the video you get or right. get a helicopter or something or start yeah like a drone a drone could work too I mean you could get if you've got the right kind of person and the right, right kind of drone you could be remotely away from that just kind of follow it and get some drone footage yeah. instead I mean I think you like one or, one or two motocarts or whatever like that's fine it's yeah. just when you have eleven or something and everyone's just trying to get the shot. Is you know, it's that, just like that's that big of a race though that requires having that many people, or is it no? That's odd. It's not. I mean, I can understand when we're talking about the tour, the Vuelta, and you've got the whole like and those are well orchestrated yeah. for the most part. And they still have problems, right? Oh, Where yeah. it's like the you know, the tour riders are coming up on the motorcarts and or the um or they're not descending as fast. Sure. As, it's just like you see problems all the time and, and the and the riders get angry. Sure. But yeah, to have this like result in a death is like just tragic. Yeah. So it's, it's time to that's the sad just, news. Sad trombone Stop news. Stop and regroup on that one, but yeah. uh, that's a bummer. And and Iron Man should know better. Like they've done these races for a long time, they should know better. Yeah. Going back to the tour, I think we are about what three and a half weeks ish out, or three weeks ish out. I think it starts right around like July first or second. Yeah, usually. Yeah. So we uh, 
we will probably need to start doing our picks. Um, it'll probably be one of those things that we can do when when Matt gets back or Matt when uh, Lance, Lance gets back gets in back. town, and then hopefully we'll get Evan in here too to to make his picks. Um, anything that you've heard in in the Tour de France land that is going to maybe change landscapes at all, or anybody looking good? I mean, I I just think from the Dauphiné that Vingigo is definitely. I mean, it looks like it's. You'd think that it would be those two athletes again, sure. again, like it was um, in the past, and that's kind of I don't know. That's yep. kind of what I'd be looking at. I think I saw that one team had already. God, I don't even remember who it was. I shouldn't even even brought this up, but have, has announced their team. But okay. we should start having the teams announce their rosters that they're going to take to the tour. And um, once that comes out, we can start to break that down and start making some picks. But is Cavendish going to show up? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Sadly, yes. Yeah, he is done after the season. This is his last season. This oh, is last year that we have to put up with his shenanigans. But um, I, again, I I really don't think he's going to win any stages. I think there's too many other big names and big hitters that are going to be uh, better suited based on their teams and their just youthfulness to go out there and win all those stages. So I don't even know if he's going to finish the race, to be honest with you, but we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if he snags some stage gets to some mountains and it's like yeah i'm done yeah like or he'll he'll drop out before he gets to the mountain yeah. stages because he wants to you know he wants way. to finish on the shops but and he yeah. he always said i mean he doesn't generally you know abandon the race but he can kind of help hold his own but he's yes that's true getting right. old and it, he didn't have a great spring and i i don't know we'll to, just have to wait and see to get his one win on the shops would be a a big hurrah which <sighs> i could see him thinking like this is where i need to do it <laughs> i don't know <laughs> All right. Well, that is what it is. Um, Matt, we're going to cut it short today because yep. we all got stuff and things to do. You want to do one last thing real quick? Uh, yes, I will be in the process of editing that video. If you guys want to learn about Watch OS 10, the next upcoming operating system for the Apple Watch. And uh, what did I post last week? Something, psh, I don't even know. Probably, was that Phoenix stuff? Yeah, that was probably the Phoenix that stuff is still worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Okay, yeah. Epix yeah. Pro and Phoenix Pro are two new watches from Garmin. Yep. And they're like their top of the line watches. Sure. I'm I would imagine that they would sell extremely well. New edition of a flashlight. Some very cool little minor tweaks or whatever. Um, so if you're in the market for a watch, those would be a very, very nice option. That flashlight is a fantastic touch. It is it's a quick double red tap. Red. Oh, how did you get the orange light on there? Is well, that in the same? It's red, red, so you don't yeah. jack your eyes up at night. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I switch it to red, or if I think about it, I switch it to red when I'm trying not to wake up people. So this morning at like five o'clock, I was like, I need to go get something out of the bedroom or whatever. Sure. And my wife was still asleep. I was like, you just switch to red, and that's just in the settings. You just change it to red. Yeah. Um. It's so there's there's little faster ways to get to it. There's like a quick menu or whatever that you uh-huh. can go. Uh. You, you know, if you hold down that light switch up the top, you can go to the flashlight area and then you can adjust the brightness of the uh, flashlight. Sure. But if you go all the way down, they have like a red mode. I see it now. Yep. Yep. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. So yes. cool. That, that, I mean, the Epix Pro is a fantastic watch. I think people, especially if you get the bigger edition, if you can handle a bigger watch, man, that's a, that's a nice option. That's the main reason why I got the bigger watch. Have you looked at maps on this thing? I mean, it's just I crisp I've just sharp. Just started wearing it two days ago, so I haven't really got to play with it too yep. much. Yep. But I really do like it. I like the little bit bigger form factor. Um, I think it just looks good. But what's really nice about that is the battery life is. Oh, you get double the battery life. It's I'm, incredible. I think I'd be. Yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts on it after you've had it for a little bit more time. Yeah. So cool. keep me posted. We'll chat. 
Okay. <laughs> um, my one last thing is, um, <sighs> this is kind of hard. I, I didn't know if I wanted to talk about this or not, but um, my wife, Rebecca, and I have uh, a friend from college. She's got, um, she, she was a really good friend of my wife and, and they still keep in touch to this day via social media. She lives in Southern California. Um, her daughter was the same age as my daughter and she tragically passed away oh. on uh, June 1st. She was riding in a passenger as a passenger in a vehicle and got T-boned and um, she lost her life 17 years old. And that is, it's, it's been weighing really heavy on me because that's the same because, age as my daughter. Yep. She was going into her senior year. She was getting, you know, she had the whole, it's all, it's all this. Ahead of yeah. her, and now she's gone. And it's just, it's really sad to see um, that kind of stuff. So, just you know, take a minute and just appreciate everybody around you. Yeah, appreciate your friends and your family and and everything that you got going on because you never know when that's going to get swiped away from you. I mean, yep, seventeen years old. That's just not fair. It's crazy. It's not. It's fair. crazy. So, um, other than that, I I don't want to end the show on a downer, okay. <laughs> but um, I am trying to get myself into shape and I'm trying to free some things up so that we can go do some gravel racing a week from tomorrow. Ooh. So there is the ashes to glory gravel race down in Madras, um, just okay. north of bend. And that is going to be the state championship gravel race for the Oregon bicycle racing association. And I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to get down there, but I do need to What's get the some, race distance. I think it's 60 ish miles, okay. which is kind of like a sweet spot for yep. me. I, I yep. can make that work. If it was one of those like 80 miles and, and 9,000 feet, like Lance is going to be doing tomorrow. I, I'm not really tuned up for that right now. I can do that kind of thing, but I'm not tuned up for it, but I do uh, think I can do okay at that. So we'll see if I can get down there. The only thing standing in my way at this point in time is um, my quad and hip thing. It's, it's starting to flare up again and it's been a little bit of a problem and I've, was like actually like in discomfort last night when I was trying to sleep. So we'll see if I can get that sorted out. Um, through Vlog, vlogging probably didn't help. Maybe you could try some like easier stuff and some just basic workouts. Keep it simple. Yeah. My, when, when I'm on the flogging ride though, I, I've been okay. riding pretty well. I do notice that I, it's kind of odd. Like you, you think that the leg that you would favor, cause when you're looking at your power numbers and your left weight, right balance, you would think that the leg that you're favoring would be down a little bit, but it's yeah. actually up a little bit. I don't know that that doesn't make sense. My left leg feels fantastic. And my splits for like the last, like for a long time now, I've been like 53, 54% on my right leg. And then, you know, the, the opposite on the left side. And mm. it's just really odd. And then I get home and my leg is just like a little dull and achy, but when I'm actually out there riding for the most part, unless it starts to get like kind of crampy on me, it, it feels pretty good. good. You know, and I think that the, my looking at my lap split for the flogging ride, which is like 20, 29 miles, it's not a terribly long ride, but it's like, you're going at a pretty good clip. Right. I mean, I've been yeah. averaging, my normalized power has been somewhere between 335 and 360 for that that 28 yeah. miles. And, and that's pretty good. And I've been hitting some decent uh, power numbers in the sprints and I'm, all right but just thinking well maybe it would be even better if i could get this sorted out so um i just need my acupuncturist to you know stop having children and, and get back to work so that back goes here <laughs> and then i do need to get a few other things taken care of but i'll, I'll work on that we'll get there yeah it's all good good luck yeah thank you all right we will be back next week with another one of these thanks for listening until then bye for now